This is an ABC podcast. ABC Radio Australia. This is Fresh Off the Field. The sporting spirit of the Pacific. Hatalopalava and welcome to Fresh Off the Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific. I'm your host, Bobby McCumber, a proud Kitabas woman who has also represented Samoa in cricket, not to be mistaken for Kitikiki, the local version of English cricket, which is lots of fun. No blocking and massive cricket bats. And everyone in the village can play. You can even sit on top of the fales and catch the ball. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, now, as always... I'm excited to have two returning co-hosts with me today. They will be sharing the latest local sports news on the ground and in the islands. And my first co-host is a former FIFA World Cup referee and current sports commentator from Fiji. It's Finau Bully Bully. Bula Fee. Bula Bobby. And my second co-host is a producer and presenter for the National Broadcasting Corporation in PNG. Based out of Bougainville, it's Lulu Laris. Hello, Lulu. Yes, hello, Olgeta. <laughs> uh, Fee, we'll start with you. Uh, were you able to relax over the summer break? Well, not exactly. Uh, just coming out of the Pacific Games, the end of November and early December, I had uh, st- I went straight into doing a summer unit. Um, I'm completing my master's in diplomacy and international affairs at the University of the South Pacific. So I'm trying to complete it as quick as I can. So yeah, I was, you know, enrolling into the summer unit and I went straight into that and it kept me busy uh, throughout uh, throughout the uh, Christmas and the holiday season. But yeah, it's all good. I finished off last week and uh, time to uh, cool off a bit. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm glad you will have a bit of time to cool off. Sounds like you're very busy over the summer break. Uh, Lulu, uh, speaking of Pacific Games, you were busy working on Mojo kits during the Pacific Games. So you were capturing video content for the local broadcaster, which was shared worldwide. I have to ask you, what was your favourite moment that you captured on video during the Pacific Games? Yes, uh, thanks, Bobby. All right, uh, one of my um, favourite uh well, a video that I captured was uh, uh, two of the female athletes who joined the boxing uh, and uh, joined Team PNG to the Pacific Games. It was amazing, like uh, coming from Bougainville and such uh, opportunities like the Pacific Game is very rare. Uh, so the two female uh, boxing athletes won gold and that was so amazing. And that was one of my um, favorite um what a video that I captured and that went uh, viral on Facebook and, you know, worldwide. (laughs) I love that. Uh, And they would have loved that it was captured by another person from Bougainville as well, doing incredible work there, both of you during the Pacific Games, uh, working in sports media. Now we've got a big show coming up on the show. Sliding cross field, now cutting back towards the traffic, still moving and gets it away. Oh, lovely. Over the top, no looking away, go Fiji. And the reply is immediate in field for Tanafolo. Fiji doing what Fiji do so well. 7-5 kick to come. Oh, stop it. Absolutely stop it. Uh, We'll keep you updated on the World Sevens and World Challenger Series. Plus, what highly anticipated event will be taking place in New Zealand this month? In February 2024, New Zealand is set to host an event that will showcase Oceania's best athletes. The Dewdrops Events Centre will be the epicentre of this gathering. 
Oh, it sounds exciting. We're going to tell you more about that later in the show. Finau and Lulu will cover sports in both Fiji and Bougainville. Plus, we've got loads more, so make sure you stick around. ABC Radio Australia. Off the field. Feel the power of Pacific sports. Now, each week, my co-host and I will report on sports from across the Pacific, analysing and detailing all of the best bits in sport. But before we get to that, let's have some fun. Coconut Wireless. The Coconut Wireless. Oh, I love it. It's where we discuss sports gossip that's happening in your country. Like who is unfit coming into pre-season, what international players are coming back to their roots to represent their small island nations, and of course, who's getting sacked. Now, it's not fact, it can't be backed up, but these are just rumours that are happening around sport in your country. Fee in Fiji, what have you heard on the Coconut Wireless? Well, there's uh, always a lot on the coconut wireless, especially in sports. And uh, for us here in Fiji, you know, rugby is a religion. Uh, so there's been some uh, um, words out there in terms of uh, um, the rugby code in sevens and also in, um, in uh, sevens uh, in the uh, rugby league. Uh, for the sevens uh, side, you know, our national team, we've, we've pretty much had a drought for a very long time. Uh, 17 tun- tournaments straight without a win. Our last in Toulouse uh, in France, May 2022, that's the last one we won. And so there's talk out there that Gordon Tingeling, the former New Zealand you know, sensational coach, is coming on board as the new sevens coach. Again, like I said, there's a lot of chatter, but nothing confirmed or denied by the Fiji Rugby Union at the moment. <laughs> uh, and also with the Fiji, um, the Fiji Bati, which is Fiji's Rugby League, uh, one of our young fullback, Jeremiah Muller, he's caught the uh, eyes of... Um, Western Tigers Benji Marshall. Now he's had two international caps, so the, the word out there is that he's he's going to start as the fullback for the new R- NRL season, and you know he's tipped to be amongst the top talent. So that's that's uh, something that uh, the rugby league um, fans out here in Fiji are looking forward to, and especially there's a lot of shifts from union to uh, to league as well in the in the school um, amongst the schoolboys. Uh, what are the numbers like of Fijians that are currently playing in the NRL? Do you know? Uh, not uh, off the mark. I would not know the numbers, but I know with uh, with the silk tails coming and relocating here in Fiji, there has been a lot of interest and they're growing their footprint. But I think that is great as well because you know we only had sevens and um, and the union uh, codes previously. So with rugby league, there's more options because uh, we have a lot of rugby players, you know, coming through the school system. But either they'll have to go abroad. But now with silk tail uh, relocating here to to Fiji within the country, they're able to sort of strategize and create that better pathway. Union is by far the most popular rugby in the Pacific. How about you, Fee? What is your favourite? Do you have one out of league or union? Um, uh, I would say union. I think we grew up with it. But with mm. the younger generation, I can see that they are also loving um, loving uh, in rugby league. I think because there's more contact and stuff like that. <laughs> so, yes, uh, they, you know, be, between them, I can see there's a, also a shift towards uh, rugby league. It's nice to have the options. Uh, Now, Lulu, uh, in Bougainville, what have you heard on the Coconut Wireless? Like Fee has said, a lot going on uh, in the Coconut uh, Wireless. And uh, the weightlifting festival, where we have a champion Fijian weightlifter, Reniela, Reno Boggy, who will lead a strong Fiji team to the weightlifting festival in Auckland next month. So he will also be attempting to qualify for the 2024 Olympic Games. 
So um, Fiji weightlifting head coach Henry Elder said they have a team of 13 lifters, including some new and exciting talents who will also compete in Auckland from uh, February 20th to the 25th. So the competition will also include the Oceania Championship for youth, junior and senior lifters, plus a master's team competition. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that gossip, Fee and Lulu. That was... Coconut Wireless. All right, it's time to find out what's happening in sport across our islands. Uh, For now, what sports have grabbed your attention in Fiji at the moment? Well, it's the beginning of the year, towards the end of January, and so, um, you know, all the sporting bodies are gearing up for the season. And again, we have, uh, you know, the rugby, uh, our our major sport here in the country with uh, the sevens code we have a couple of tournaments that's already up next week we're having the nahe heavier sevens they'll be followed by nawaka sevens uh, the week after and tamadabo sevens so already the sevens rugby season is already starting and kicking off and we have a lot of preparation in that area uh, there's always a lot of interest even uh, teams coming out from the outer islands to participate and uh, within the rugby code with the Fijian uh, Drua, the Fijian Drua men's uh, team, uh, they'll also be uh, having their first preseason match against the Brumbies in Australia. So that's a huge one for them uh, with the leadership that they have and the performance. They look to up it uh, this year and uh, straight after the match again, pre-season match against Brumbies uh, this coming weekend, they'll have the Melbourne Rebels next Saturday before they actually kicks, kick off with the 2024 Super Rugby uh, Pacific uh, season. And that will be against the Blues on the February 24th in, uh, in Auckland. Uh, with the counterparts, the women's uh, Fijian and Drua, initially they were called the Fijian and Drua, but now they call the Rooster Chicken Fijian Drua woman because they've come under the franchise of the, uh, the Fijian Drua side, which is good for them because now they have access to proper training, proper facilities and stuff like that. Uh, they're two times champion of the Rugby Australian Super Women's Competition, so they're mm-hmm. definitely going for a th- and they're preparing well for the season uh, that's coming up soon. And new leadership, new coaching in the in the in the mix with uh, Mosese Rauluni, uh, a great uh, Fijian player, rugby player, who's come back to uh, lead lead on the side. And also, still with rugby, we have the in the Kaiviti Signals, like I mentioned earlier, with the uh, rugby league that's uh, slowly growing its footprint in the in the country. Uh, last week, they appointed Damon Spuna as the new general manager. And, you know, coming with that high experience and knowledge of the code of rugby league, he definitely is going to, you know, push and take them to the next level. And it's great to see uh, rugby league strategizing in a, in a great way and having the Silk Tales team stationed here in Fiji and helping with the pathway for, for you know, our local rugby um, enthusiasts and, and talent pool, eh? Mm. In football also, we have the uh, champion versus champion. The first league happened uh, last week where Lautoka played Mbah and they won 2-1. The return league will be this Sunday, the 4th of February. So that's on the local scene for men's football. Uh, The women's football, the Digicel Fiji uh, Cooler Women's Football, they are preparing for the OFC Olympic qualifiers that kicks off in Samoa next week. So they've been busy with that. We've had... uh, the coach coming on board and, you know, mentioning how she's using uh, most of the under-19s as well to prepare for that. And uh, Trina Davis, who uh, was one of the uh, one of our sensational uh, forward players who's based out in uh, America, unfortunately, she won't be featuring in the tournament and uh, because due to some medical issues. But, however, we have the young cooler midfielder that uh, played last year, 
Priya Singh. She's also based in the U.S. and she will definitely be part of the squad and, and making her debut for the national team. So, um, yes, for the two, the two codes, uh, they're preparing for international events, uh, other sports, hockey. They're just coming back from an international event in, with athletics. We're going into the season of high school athletics uh, competition. Wow, there is a lot happening in local uh, and higher level competition in Fiji, which is great to hear. Uh, you mentioned the um, practice matches that the drill will be having against, you know, super rugby clubs like the Brumbies and the Rebels, which is great in preparation before the season starts. Have they done this before with multiple super rugby clubs? Uh, no, it's the first. They, uh, uh, they've played in two seasons, so this is the third season. And having, you know, like the coach mentioned, having play, uh, teams like Brumbies coming on board to play the preseason, it's, it's really great for them. Uh, it's kind of allow them to gauge where they are at, you know, how the preparation has been uh, during off-season. And, and, you know, they're having these two with Melbourne Rebels and with Brumbies prior to the t- kick-off with, uh, with the Blues, which is a tough team. And so it's really good that they have these preseason games. Yeah, brilliant. It certainly does help before the season starts and hopefully get away with no injuries in any, any of those games either. Uh, who did you have a chance to catch up with this week, Fee? Oh, this week I had a, I was uh, fortunate to catch up with uh, Laisia Sapomau. He's the uh, Chief Operating Officer for Basketball Fiji. And having the, uh, the national basketball team, you know, coming off on a high in the Pacific Games in 2023, where the man won the gold medal and the woman uh, walked away with bronze. Uh, he talked about, you know, what it looks like for this year and how just that win has been able to bring more visibility and growth and more interest in the sport uh, in their strategic plan to try and expand the footprint locally. Yeah, the Federation is quite um, excited about what lays ahead, what's ahead of us, and that's the after the uh, gold medal win by the Fiji men's team at the Pacific Games and dethroning in uh, the former champions Guam. Uh, we're looking forward to the, the next challenge, which is the FIBA Asia Cup uh, men's Tier 2 uh, competition that uh, Guam are also the current, cha- uh, current champions uh, in, that, in that tournament. Now, after the win uh, last year, there has been a lot of interest in the sport. Uh, the, uh, there's notable uh, increase in participation in the programs. What does this mean for the Federation? Yeah, there's been uh, some momentum uh, that the Federation has been able to build uh, before Pacific Games. Uh, that was when we were able to host the pre-qualifiers to the Pacific Games in uh, October. I believe it was in October 2023. 2022, sorry, and then um, leading to that was us hosting one of our biggest tournaments here in Fiji, which is the uh, Fiji Secondary Schools Basketball Championships that was held in Lotoka, and we saw uh, also an increase of participants uh, taking up basketball at the secondary schools level, and now um, the men's uh, been crowned the uh, Pacific Champions at the, the last year's uh, Pacific Games. Um, we've seen uh, an increase in interest. We've seen an increase also in followers, and also um, an increase in uh, our social media uh, stats um, from uh, the month of no- November. And comparing it uh, throughout the whole year, we saw um, close to a million uh, reach on uh, Facebook alone. And um, 
that has been also uh, highlighted as one of our achievements and we are looking to continue to build off uh, those successes uh, in the uh, next uh, qualifiers uh, as part of FIBA's uh, qualifying pathway to uh, the World Cup or to the Olympics. And we are very happy to be able to uh, reach the the third stage of those qualifiers um, or, or of those that that pathway, and uh, we're also looking to do much much better, and also try and repeat our success from what we were able to achieve at the Pacific Games, and uh, our goal again is to try and win the uh, FIBA uh, Asia Men's Cup, uh, who uh, Guam is also the current uh, defending champions of. Now, uh, coming out of that win, that success, uh, you know it's possible. Uh, the team was, the federation was part of that event uh, in 2015. Now, nine years on, how do you feel the preparation will be different around this time? Yes, uh, in 2015, uh, it was a, a learning experience, especially it being our first time uh, to that tournament, also the first time for uh, FIBA to be providing us with that opportunity to go and play uh, at that competition or at a higher competition. Um, we've learned, we've taken a lot of notes from that experience and we are, are looking forward uh, to this, uh, the, the opportunity that we will get. Um, obviously, we will not be taking it lightly. Uh, we know this opportunity doesn't comes every four years and uh, we look forward to, again, uh, repeating uh, our success at the Pacific Games. And... Um, at the uh, at the FIBA Asia Cup that will be hosted, I believe, in China in 2025. Well, thank you, Mr. Pomo. All the best as you strategize forward and uh, for the preparation to the Asia Cup. Yeah, as you mentioned, very successful in the Pacific Games, winning the gold, and no doubt they'll be riding a high there. Uh, Fee, how are you expecting the team to go for the Asia Cup? Uh, well, that that is scheduled for uh, 2025 next year in China, and uh, just like uh, most of the Pacific Islands who came to uh, teams who came to the Pacific Games, you know, most of, especially with basketball because it's not a major sport in the region. Most of the players are also um, out of the region, uh, so they are playing at at, at that higher level. But mm-hmm. preparing for the for the Asia Cup, it'll be it'll be critical to you know get those training camps where you can sort of just get the players in together, which what they did. Uh, for the Pacific Games. You know, they had two training camps prior to the Pacific Games just to be able to get everyone together you know, and sort out the game plan and, and strategize better. So that will also be a critical um, sort of a strategy heading up to the Asia Cup. Yeah, absolutely. It makes such a difference if you can get the team together uh, before you're actually competing. I know speaking to a lot of the teams in Honiara for the Pacific Games, a lot of them were not thrown together, but some of them literally just met a day before the Pacific Games and then had to go out and compete together on the field. So it does make a difference if you can actually bond together and get those plays and structures working. So hopefully uh, Fiji can do well. In 2025, got a lot of preparation time in the meantime. Thank you, Fee. Uh, Lulu, fill us in on all things sport from Bougainville? Um, yes, um, actually in uh, um, all the 22 provinces in Papua New Guinea, they're gearing up for this uh, eight uh, PNG Games, which is uh, scheduled for um, September. Uh, so while Southern Highlands uh, provinces are excited to host the eight PNG Games in September, it has given the government until the end of the month to release the funds for the 
completion of the games infrastructure. So Bougainville is one of the provinces that is um, also um, all the teams are had a training to prepare for this eight uh, PNG games, uh, which is commonly known as uh, grassroots uh, games. So if the money promised by the national government to complete the games um, infrastructure is not made available on time, the province may consider cancelling this uh, big event. The Southern Highlands Governor William Powie told members of the Provincial Assembly in Mendy this week that the national government promised to make uh, 150 million kina available to complete infrastructure for the games and must release these funds at the earliest. So Poe wants the funding to be made available on time so that he can get the games infrastructure ready on time and the games can convene on time as a schedule. He further said the big projects like venue construction cannot be completed in four or six months and he said if the government delays the funding until late, he would rather protect his province from embarrassment than host the event. Bobby added that he would also need an additional 50 to 80 million kina. The money will be used to provide accommodation, transport and security for the visiting provinces. So the eight PNG Games was scheduled to convene in Port Mosby in January 2024, but was moved back to Southern Highlands, where it was initially uh, thought to be hosted following the Prime Minister's request to move the Games back to Mendy in September 2024. Lulu, you speak of Bougainville, you know, being one of the provinces that will be competing at the PNG Games in September. What, what are some of the stronger sports teams that come out of Bougainville? Yes, uh, thank you, Bobby. Um, the strongest, well, I will say, uh, sporting codes uh, in Bougainville is uh, football and volleyball. That's the uh, two main um, sports that, uh, you know, the teams that come out from Bougainville are strong and uh, can win back medals for the province. So as we speak, their teams are already uh, into training camps. Um, that was uh, during the Christmas, but then the games were uh, moved uh, back to September this year. So they are like taking uh, a break and then will convene training in um, uh, March this year. So uh, I would say the strongest teams that um, will come out from Bougainville is the soccer team and volleyball, including individual sports like uh, taekwondo is also um, very common here in uh, Bougainville. Well, it sounds like they've got quite a bit of work to get through infrastructure-wise uh, before they can get the go-ahead, but hopefully that all comes to fruition and we're able to go ahead with the PNG Games. Uh, do you have any other sports news coming out of Bougainville and PNG? Um, yes, we have a uh, 13-year-old year uh, Kolita Hakena, um, who is a leading junior women's tennis player who uh, has already embarked on a transformative journey. She has clinched a coveted year-long scholarship at the esteemed Lavi Academy in Auckland, New Zealand, through the Oceania Tennis Federation and International Tennis Federation um, the program. So Kolita is um, of mixed Morobe and Bougainvillian parentids bid farewell to Port Mosby on uh, the 3rd of this month and she joins the OTF-ITF touring team program this year. 
So this intensive training initiative aims to um, provide crucial financial, competitive and educational support, uh, propelling players towards uh, success at the Junior Grand Slam Championship. Um, securing a U.S. National uh, Collegiate Athletic Association scholarship and representing uh, their country region in these uh, prestigious events like the Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup. And um, Diane Hasavi, Kolita's mother, uh, who is from Morove, um, highlighted the sacrifices made over the past five years by herself and her husband, Raymond Hakena, who is from Bougainville, to witness Kolita rise to the top junior player in PNG and the Oceania. And also Kolita's brother, Sugaray, is also a top-ranked uh, junior men's player in the region, both products of the late legendary PNG tennis coach Kualam Apisa at the Port Mosby Tennis Club. So Hasavi is now um, is appealing for support to meet the parental contribution of 5,000 U.S. dollars, that is 17,000 in PNG Kina by gen- um, the end of this month. And this contribution is crucial for quality success, uh, completion of the program valued at over uh, 50 US dollars. So she welcomes support from the private sector, government, or any generous individuals willing to contribute. Uh, the ITF scholarship is an incredible opportunity for Kolita, as her mother uh, describes. So they appeal to to the private sector, the government, or any um, generous individuals who are willing to contribute to help uh, to reach this targeted amount by the end of this month for Kolita. So um, Kolita, um, coming from the mixed parentage of Morobe and Bougainville, um, the Bougainville family here are so proud uh, as uh, tennis is not so common and is never played here in Bougainville. And for such a young uh, female like Kolita, uh, it's very rare and the families are so proud of this uh, achievement by Kolita. Uh, oh, that's wonderful news. Good to see Kolita uh, standing up for Bougainville and representing uh, tennis, which is fantastic. It's always great to hear about the local sports that's happening across our Pacific Islands. So thank you, Fee and Lulu. It's time to talk about sport across the Pacific. Lulu, tell us what's happening with Vanuatu Volleyball. Yes, thank you, Bobby. The volleyball, Olymp- that's uh, the Olympics uh, qualifications. The Vanuatu Women's Beach Volleyball team will participate in 16 tournaments over the next four to five months uh, with qualifications for the 2024 Olympic Games as their main focus. Vanuatu Beats uh, Volleyball said the team of uh, Serishin Toko and Majabel Lawak have a busy schedule traveling between Australia, New Zealand and China. Toko and Lawak are in Australia to compete at the Queensland Championship having won the Cephas Paradise Tournament. Uh, Toko and the duo will also undergo a four-day training camp in Australia under the Australian government's Pacific Oz Sports Programme. Toko and Lawak are also scheduled to compete at two New Zealand Tour events in mid-February. And for now, uh, we've got some more Women's OFC Olympic playoffs. What can you tell me about that? Oh, yes. Exciting times ahead for uh, football in the region. Uh, you know, there's a, it's going to be a busy year. 
and uh, you know it, kick, it kicks off with a women's tournament so that's a great one you know to, to promote women's football in the region and it starts with the uh, Oceania qualifier for the women's Olympic uh, football tournament which is going to be held in Paris later in the year so that kicks off next week in Samoa when uh, it goes on from the 7th to the 19th and there'll be eight teams participating across two groups uh, group A, we have uh, American Samoa, and like I'd like to mention, these eight teams, apart from New Zealand, most of them met up at the Pacific Games last year, so, you know, it'll be a rebattle for most of them. Uh, in Group A, we have American Samoa up against the Melanesian rivals, uh, Papua New Guinea, who has been, you know, the queens of the Pacific in football, apart from New Zealand. And we also have Solomon Islands and Fiji, who have met before, and only uh, Fiji won by 1-0 in the Pacific Games, so a great rematch will happen there. In Group B, we have Vanuatu, we have Tonga, we have Samoa, the host, and of course New Zealand, the defending champs of the Olympic qualifiers, and who also represented us to the uh, 2020 Olympics in France. So looking at the, um, the pool matches, you know, there have been a lot of preparation. Uh, uh, some of the age group uh, players who played in the under-19 will be debuting for the national team. So there's going to be an exciting match uh, mixing the players. For New Zealand, some of the players have not been able to get like international release. So they won't be represented and probably a chance for the Pacific teams to maybe, you know, play well and get a, a, a lower score, um, a score line. Uh, but definitely New Zealand will be the team to meet. They have a lot of experience and a lot of depth. And uh, but you know the host team itself, Samoa, will have that sort of um, the twelfth woman player factor in terms of the spectators cheering on, and we know how how they have games in the Pacific and how the people cheer on from the <laughs> sidelines. So definitely that energy will uh, you know will uh, go on to them. Uh, also PNG, PNG we've, has always, apart from New Zealand, been um, a, a predominant great team for the women's side, and you know coming out of the win in the Pacific Games against Fiji in the final four one. You know, they, have, they didn't even have uh, mo most of the players that were based abroad. It was mostly local players. But they perform really, very well. They have the fitness and, you know, they, they just gel well together as a team. So they'll be coming in strong from that pool A. And, of course, Fiji with the uh, inclusion of some of the under-19s who uh, in last year's uh, tournament just lost 1-0 in added time to New Zealand. So s most of these players will also fill in the gaps of the senior, of the senior players. And uh, as mentioned by Chua, the... The coach, he looked to them, you know, as well on the bench. Uh, and some of them, you know, starting the debut, having the debut for the national team. It will be a great mix. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, most of them have met the Pacific Games. In Group A, we have Solomon Islands and Fiji. They've met already. Solomon will come back, you know, to try and uh, regain their name there. Like I mentioned, they lost to Fiji just once. And there'll be only two spots for the semifinals. So PNG, Solomon Island, Fiji, American Samoa, a battle definitely is going to happen there. And in Group B, Samoa, the host, is, you know, with players based out in Australia, in New Zealand, coming back uh, to strengthen their team. They looked good to uh, qualify with New Zealand to the semifinal. But like I mentioned, you know, anything can happen. Uh, it'll be a great tournament. And it's great that in the, in the regional space of football that women's uh, tournament is kicking off. And so the, that uh, creates a lot of visibility and interest uh, in women's football in the region. I am loving hearing all of the different competitions that are happening uh, for female athletes in the Pacific region uh, and internationally, just getting to travel uh, to different amazing places. I know you mentioned Paris. Uh, when I was a part of the Samoan women's cricket team, uh, we managed to play in Japan and some of the girls on this cricket team hadn't left their villages in Savai. So it was such a huge culture shock and wonderful experience for them as well. Uh, Lulu, let's cross to you. What's happening with netball in the Cook Islands? Yes, thank you, Bobby. Um, well, 
a lot is going on in sports around the Pacific. And interestingly, we have the netball uh, in the Cook Islands. Uh, so Netball Cook Islands has uh, confirmed that Nicole uh, Tiaore has become the latest player to join the Singapore Super Netball League. And uh, Cook Islands News reports the young netball rep will leave for Singapore on 14th April. And Association Secretary Tekura Moeka uh, said Singapore netball is known for its high-profile competition. And Tiaore is one of the six international players um, selected, allocated to the six teams, in um, injecting a global flair into the competition. And like, if I could go a little bit about the volleyball um, Olympics qualifications, the Vanuatu women's beach volleyball team will participate in 16 tournaments over the next four to five months with qualification for the 2024 Olympic Games as their main focus. And Vanuatu Beach Volleyball said the team of uh, Sericene Toko and Majabel Lawak have a busy schedule traveling between Australia, New Zealand and China. And Toko and Lawak are in Australia to compete at the Queensland Championship, having won the Surfers Paradise uh, Tournament. And Toko and Lawak are in Australia to, um, well, the duo will also undergo a four-day training camp in Australia under the Australian government's Pacific All Sports prog- Program. And Toko and Lawak are also scheduled to compete at two New Zealand Tour events in mid-February. For now, we've yeah. got World 7 Series and the World Challenger Series happening at the moment. Uh, can you give us some highlights from those? Oh, yes. Uh, even though these um, world events are not happening regionally, but uh, of course we have, you know, we are proudly represented from the region into these events uh, for the HSBC World 7 Series. Now, that's the first tier of the seventh uh, uh, global competition. Eh? And so we have eight tournaments and we have uh, 12 teams participating there. In the uh, World 7th Challenger Series, that is the second tier of, you know, of the 7th competition. And that this was created or introduced in February 2020 to, to sort of... Uh, boost the development of rugby because, you know, there's different levels of competition and, and um, performance eh, by, by each national team. So they kind of created the second tier to allow those in the, in the, in the lower level of uh, rugby competition to try and at least participate at some, you know, good uh, competitive level and then have the opportunity to get promoted to the first tier. So that started back in December last year. We've had uh, three tournaments already in this eight tournament series. And uh, the last week, in the, the last one was the third, the third competition happened in Perth last, the last week. And uh, again, we saw um, Argentina winning that. But in Dubai and Cape Town, we had that in December uh, last year. And last week, January 24th, we had it in uh, Perth, Australia. Five more to go. And exciting, you know, there's a lot of servants, enthusiasts and followers around the region. We have Vancouver coming up uh, end of this month. Los Angeles in March, Hong Kong in April, Singapore in May. And it finally the pinnacle at in Spain in June. And also in June in Spain, we'll also have the, uh, the Tier 2 where they'll also participate and where you have the direct uh, promotion relegation. So it's great to see, you know, the, the, the growth in uh, Sevens uh, uh, competition globally. Uh, now in Tier 1, we have Fiji and Samoa that's competing from the region. And uh, currently uh, with, the, uh, with the 12 teams participating, Argentina leads uh, the standings with 58 points, and Fiji and Australia are second on 44. Now, again, Fiji has not, like I mentioned earlier, has not, we've been in a drought, we've not 
uh, won any competition for the last 17 straight tournaments. But I guess, you know, just being sort of consistent, hitting the semifinals and the finals, we've, we've currently been uh, able to position ourselves um, on the second position with uh, 44 points. And Samoa, who's also a Pacific team uh, in that competition, is currently ranked in ninth position with 14 points. Uh, so I mentioned there's five more uh, tournaments to go. The World 7th Challenger Series, now that's the second tier, and it had started in January, um, th just earlier this month. And again, we saw Uruguay and China winning the competition for men and women, respectively. There's five rounds in that. Also, uh, we have the Dubai that's uh, completed. The Uruguay is coming up in the 8th and 10th of March. And then you have Germany and Poland, respectively, for men and women on the 18th and 19th of May before uh, they start they come back together for the Madrid competition. Now, uh, the PNG teams, we saw them participate at the Pacific Games, and this is why I'm talking about, you know, there's a clear pathway where they played regionally and they're able to qualify. So PNG is the only other Pacific team that's playing at the seventh uh, global competition, but they are currently in Tier 2 as opposed to Fiji and Samoa. So the men's and women's PNG team are competing there. Uh, they're doing uh, pretty, they're pretty okay, but at least, you know, they like, Apart from the uh, Pacific Games, there is this global competition that they can, you know, aspire to. They can work from there. We've seen, you know, a lot of teams, Kenya, where they worked for a, a long period of time before they qualified to Tier 1. So it's great to see that, you know, World Rugby is uh, sort of structuring and re-strategizing in a way that allows uh, the growth of the sport, allows, you know, teams or uh, countries that do not participate um, frequently in this sport to sort of grow and then, you know, in a way, uh, get promoted to tier to the tier one nation. So the, the, those are the teams from the region that's participating, and they're doing well so far. Some of them, uh, you know, there's five uh, tournaments to go, so they will definitely look to do better in those. Wonderful, lots going on, and thank you for all of those details in there for now. Uh, as always, it's nice to hear about sports happening across our island. So thank you, Fee and Lulu. ABC Radio Australia. You're listening to Fresh Off the Field. Uniting the Pacific through the universal language of sports. Vaima Oya Ripley joined me on Fresh Off the Field last year. And now, as she aims to qualify for the upcoming Paris 2024 Olympics, I asked Vi what her experience was like during her third Pacific Games in Honiara last year. Yes, my third Pacific Games, but my first international one. So my first two were done in Samoa and I loved it. I was there in Honiara for two weeks and we were able to experience a lot of the culture and also the different new facilities. And um, yeah, we also came away with some new bling. My teammate Elizabeth Rash and I came back with um, Team Bronze and I also got an individual bronze. So that was nice. Was this the first time you've received a medal at a Pacific Games? No, like my first one was a bronze as well. Then my second one was a Team Gold. And this was my um, third time, yeah. So every time I've been to the Games, I've come away with some new bling, which Nana's been very happy about. Ah, oh, yeah. that's awesome. So what was different, do you think, about this Games and previous Games for you? Um, the preparation was different. I've taken up a notch, um, definitely took it more professionally this time, and I'm a lot older. My first Pacific Games, I was only 16 years old. I'm now 33, so I have a lot of that... Um, knowledge and experience in the background and I'm able to take a lot more professional approach. I know there are some young women that are in the squad as well that are like 16 or 17. Do you feel like the mother figure now of the group? Oh yes well more of an auntie figure which has been 
that was thrown around a couple of times in the athletes park. And um, I take it with, I'm actually really honored to have that title as the auntie of the team. And I really enjoyed being able to be there for the new up and coming athletes and um, being able to guide them and give them a bit more of a confidence boost. And it's also a mental game as well. So you go through a lot when you're in game time and there's a lot of pressure, especially when you're so young. So I was actually very honored to have shared this experience with Ali as her first international and her first Pacific Games. Um, yeah, really hoping she's now on her way to uni and we're really hoping that she'll continue working on this because she's now set a really good platform for herself and we'd like to always see um, our sailors progress as they go. So, yeah, Ali, if you're listening, keep sailing in New Zealand. <laughs> we'll be waiting for you in Samoa. <laughs> uh, I was there at DC Park. I don't think I was there on the days that you competed, but it was beautiful uh, to look at. What was it like for a sailor? What were the conditions like at DC Park in Honiara? Yeah, the, it was if compared to Samoa, it was um, open ocean, uh, very strong current as well. And something different is there were crocodiles, apparently, in these waters. <laughs> so we we didn't see any, actually, but we were just being told and informed and made aware that there are crocodiles in these waters and it's part of the Pacific, which is um, very unusual. But as sailors, we hardly um, go in the water unless you capsize and think we did really well the waves can just turn straight away and there'll be like massive swells and Mm. then all of a sudden the swells can go again when the current changes so it's really interesting conditions we got really light wind and then very heavy um crazy like 20 knots so you try and keep your boat flat as much as possible because the flatter the boat is the faster it goes um and they also had few boats that we had to share so I felt for Ali my teammate because she would sometimes get the heavy winds in the afternoon and then when I was rostered to go in the morning I'd get the nice light winds so I'm a bit heavier than Ali so it would have been better for like the way they did the mixed robin mm. setup for the games um yeah so that was good you mentioned that there were crocodiles in the ocean you didn't see any but did anyone try to intimidate you and tell you that they had seen any sea creatures in the ocean Yes, we had Marie from Solomon Islands, my <laughs> competitor. She's also an auntie on the team. So she came to the 2019 Pacific Games in Samoa. So it's really nice to see her again. So I think it was one of her tactics to get me is uh, she saw a crocodile on, one, on the course as we were sailing, as we were racing. She yelled out that she saw one <laughs> while I was in front of her. I said, nice try, Marie. <laughs> it's cool that you have this relationship with your competitors you obviously see them quite a bit around the world competing Mm. but to have a bit of fun whilst you're out there racing yeah yeah it's so much fun especially when you see the other pacific islanders i always see fiji and passing too so when we ever pass each other on the course i always hear from fiji go samoa i go bula fiji Uh, uh, moving forward, by uh, what's involved in qualifying for the Olympics, which I know you're you're still trying to do. Yes, I've got um, I got support from World Sailing to attend the final attempt qualifier, which is in Hiers in France, and there'll be seven spots there for uh, the countries who have not qualified. So I'm up for that event. I just finished doing Sail Sydney in November, which was our Oceania qualifier. 
and Aroni Leilua from Samoa managed to secure a spot, as well as Fiji. So the men's are on their way to, well, they're currently in training to get prepped for Paris Olympics in July 2024. And I will be making my way to Hiers in France to also get that golden ticket to Paris. Yeah. How are your preparations going? How do you feel? Mm, um, I feel really uh, fit. <laughs> I feel really good. Uh, I feel like I would definitely like to get this one more shot because I also did sail Sydney and I just missed out too with New Zealand and Fiji securing a spot. We only had two Oceania spots in sail Sydney. So I think um, here and here is in France. I've got everybody on board, all my support team behind me, and we're all going to give this 110%. This is our last opportunity. So we're all going all out, pulling out all the stops. What does it mean to you to be the first female on the Olympic pathway for sailing Samoa? Yeah, it's it's, it's massive. It's um, I try and take each wave as it comes. And, you know, when I did set out on this journey two years ago, that was my whole intentions was to try and set up a bit of a pathway a bit of like a road map so that someone like Ali Rash or someone like Lacey or Rasmussen or the girls back home they could follow they will know what steps you need to take if you wanted to go to the next elite level which is the Olympics so I've only known um, grassroots level growing up in Samoa and so I'm actually learning as I'm going in the last two years and people have, who I've crossed paths with, they've also contributed to creating this roadmap. So we're slowly building these little blocks so that it sets up the foundation. And sailing is a lifetime sport. I've like come across people so much older than me that are still probably going on the fifth Olympic Games and they're still so fit. Mm. Yeah, so I'm not... I feel I'm in my prime now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only getting warmed up. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, now, it is lovely to be able to interview you face-to-face. I'm based in Adelaide. You are here too. Yeah. What are you doing here in Adelaide? I've been in Adelaide for a month now. And I be the, what brought me here initially was the Australian Nationals uh, Laser Championship earlier this month in January. I did the Australian Nationals last year. And I found it a really good training grounds to perform under pressure. And Australia's level of competition is so high, even um, interstate. So I did that at the beginning of the month. My personal best, I made it into the gold fleet. So last year I was in the silver fleet. And um, yeah, they, they divide it into two groups. Sorry, just a background information, yeah. gold and silver fleet. They divide the number of boats into two so that they can manage the racing structure because if you have all 100 boats lined up on the start line, it's quite hard to manage. And once you get into, you get four races to try and qualify into either gold or silver fleet. And then the regatta onwards, you're always in that fleet. So if you come um, 30th upwards, you have an opportunity to move high up the ranks. If you're in the silver fleet, and you're at the top of the silver fleet, that's the highest you can go. So at the end of the regatta, the total, which is like maybe 60 boats, it will just like show you you always be at 30 if you're in the silver fleet. And then in the gold fleet, I started off at 40 and then I finished at 39. So I was able to progress up the ladder. Right. Yeah. And then I have the Master Worlds next week. Oh, so that's, wow. 
Another big one, which I'm really excited, they put the age limit down to 30 to 35, so I'm able to enter the master's world as an apprentice. That is awesome. Like, master's, starting at 30 years old. That's yeah. great. I'm excited. Uh, it sounds like you're doing so much travelling uh, to compete all around the world, whether it be here in Australia, Samoa, or Pacific Games, Olympic qualifiers. What do you do to settle or get into a routine? Are you used to traveling all the time for this? I am now. Yeah, it took me a while to just keep doing my program. Usually when you travel, you feel like you're on a bit of a holiday. You know, for most people, when you travel, you travel for pleasure mm. and you feel a bit relaxed. And when you go into a new area, you try and like look around, do nice things that um, you wouldn't normally do, but every time now when I travel, I just get straight into um, my routine. I find somewhere to work out, or I'll just do my workout in the morning and just treat it like I'm still, you know, the, this is my new home. So I treat it as I would normally and just have that routine I find really important. Have a routine. Yeah. When you travel, have a routine. <laughs> That's my. When you travel, have a routine. <laughs> so jingle. <laughs> when you travel, have a routine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been great to speak to you uh, before the Pacific Games, hearing about your preparations, and then now hearing about your preparations leading into more Olympic qualifiers. So that's coming up in April. Hopefully uh, I can speak to you mid-year after you've qualified and we can talk about the Paris Olympics that you'll be competing in. Yes. Oya Ripley, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Bobby. Have a blessed day, blessed show, blessed week. That was Vaima Oya Ripley, who said that she felt privileged and honoured to be the first female Samoan sailor to be an Olympic hopeful. So we wish her all the best for her upcoming Olympic qualifiers in April. Fingers crossed she can make it to the Olympics. All right, before we finish up, it is time to get to know my co-hosts and I just a little bit more. It's time for our next segment. Gyaman Stapwe. Gyaman is Tok Pisson for Pick the Lie. Each co-host will tell us three things about themselves. Two will be true and one will be a lie. The other co-host will try and Gyaman Stapwe. Now, Finau, we'll start with you. If you can give me three things about yourself. Two true, one lie. Let's see if Lulu and I can pick the lie. Okay. My three uh, things that you need to pick out is... I've been to the Cook Islands. That's the first. Mm-hmm. Second, I've played rugby. And third, I have Samoan connections. Right. Okay. So here we go. Uh, you have been to the Cook Islands. You've played rugby and you have Samoan connections. Uh, Lulu, yeah. what do you think the lie is? <laughs> okay. Well, I think um, that's true. She went to Cook Islands and... Um, she played uh, rugby. I don't think she has someone connections. You know, every <laughs> every week I agree with my uh, co-host, but it it doesn't help. And then last week I went against my co-host, and they were right with everything. <laughs> I agree with you, Lulu. I don't think that Fee has Samoan connections. Fee, what was the lie? I'm starting 2024 on a high. I got you both. Oh. I have not played rugby, so I don't know if I can really call myself a Fiji. <laughs> oh. So, okay. okay. So you do have Samoan connections. What is it? Yeah, I have Samoan connections from the Fasito Otai clan. Oh, uh, really? my great-great-grandmother. 
Oh, well, there you go. I'm glad we have learned something about you now. (laughs) (laughs) Lulu just said you don't look like a Samoan. Oh, well, now you know she she has got Samoan connections. Uh, Lulu, don't laugh too much. It's your turn now. Tell me three things about you. Okay. I am working. I have three sons, one daughter. Okay, so... The first one is you're walking. <laughs> the like second one walking, is walking, not walking. Oh, you're working. Sorry, my apologies. Yeah. You're working. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you have three sons. That's the next one. And then the last one is you have one daughter. Is that correct? Is that yes? Yeah. Okay. Fee, what do you think the lie is? She's working. She has three sons, or she has one daughter. I I would say one daughter. Okay, you think she's got three sons. I'm going to say, I feel like I've spoken to you, Lulu, about your children, but I don't know if it was a child or children. I think uh, three sons. I think that is the lie. Fee thinks one daughter is the lie. Lulu, what is the lie? Uh, Fee now just won. (laughs) She just won. Okay, congratulations. So you have three sons, is that right? Yes. Oh, good for you. That's very, that, that is actually a beautiful, that's lovely to hear. You have three sons and I know Finn now has one son as well uh, and I'm a loser. Okay, that's fine. All right, it's my turn. Uh, here are three things. Uh, now, I have done this one similar before. So my one is three things that I'm allergic to. I'm allergic to lots of things. That's why I've already come up with three. These are three more things. Now, I'm allergic to flowers, peanuts and perfume. One of those is a lie. Finau, which one of those is a lie? Flowers, peanuts, or perfume? Flowers. Okay. Lulu, what do you think the lie is? Peanuts. Peanuts. Uh, I am allergic to flowers and perfume. So, Lulu, congratulations. You got it right. I'm not (laughs) allergic to peanuts. Oh, but that was fun. I sucked, but both of you did well. So, congratulations. Uh, That does bring us to the end of the show for this week. A big thank you to my co-host, Finau Vulivuli, sports commentator and talented footballer, Finakafi. And Lulu Laris, radio producer and presenter from Bougainville. Thank you, Lulu. Thank you, Bobby. It was great um, having me on the show. Oh, and a big thank you to our producer, Nally, as always, for putting the show together. Thank you, Nally. Uh, thank you for listening to Fresh Off the Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'll be back again next week with two new co-hosts from across the Pacific talking all things sport in our region. This episode was produced on the lands of the Gadigal people. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.